Christmas isn't just a time to decorate your house, to spend time with loved ones, and to open long-awaited presents. Christmas is a time to remember. To remember that salvation doesn't come from within. It comes from above. To remember that infinitely better than the magic of Christmas is the miracle of Emmanuel. To remember that God was not and is not untouched by the pain and suffering of this world. To remember that Jesus isn't just part of the Christmas story, but Christmas is part of the Jesus story. To remember that there is no grace without a cross and no cross without a manger. To remember that Jesus doesn't just want us to remember what he did, but to join him in what he is doing. So this year, let the lights remind you of the light of the world who came into darkness for us. Let the gifts remind you of the greatest gift of all. And this year, make your heart like Bethlehem and receive the King. Well, Merry Christmas, everybody. We're glad everybody can make it out tonight. You know, as we watch that video and we sing these songs, one of the things that I'm reminded of I try to go something a little different each and every year. Sometimes we go into a little historical stuff and talking about the true story of Christmas. But the thing that just kept rolling through my head as I was preparing this week, just thinking about this, is anticipation. And this time of year, we get a little antsy. Because I don't know about y'all, but it gets kind of hectic around the holidays. I don't know how many parties you get invited to or different family gatherings or things like that. Getting all the gift shopping done, beating the crowds at the mall. Walmart, my goodness, went to Walmart the other day, never want to go back again. I said that before, I'll probably say it again. I mean, it's just, it's crazy out there, watching people just kind of on the last second rushing and trying to get everything done for anticipation for about a 20-minute experience tomorrow morning. It's kind of like standing in line for a roller coaster. Anybody ever done that? You stand there for an hour. It's three minutes long. Three minutes, you give up an hour of your life. It doesn't make any sense, but there's something about the anticipation that we wait for, the anticipation that makes it all worthwhile. And tomorrow, I mean, as an example, you know, if you were a kid, I don't know how y'all were, but when I was a kid growing up, we didn't wake up early any other day of the year. But we woke our folks up Christmas morning. Now, I don't know what's wrong with my kids because they sleep in, but I know for me, it was like I could not, no matter what I did, I was so excited about what was to come. It was this anticipation that we were waiting on. And when we talk about the Christmas story, we know the, the, the mantra. It's not about the gifts. It's not even about the day because we don't even know if he was born this day. It might have been. He probably wasn't. We don't know. And we're not even arguing about it. But the thing is, is, what was the anticipation of Messiah coming? Because from the very beginning, there was an anticipatory uh, statement made by God that, that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. This reference to Messiah coming, that he's going to come and he's going to redeem mankind and that all you got to do is wait it out. But he didn't go into a lot of details. He just kind of said it. And so they're waiting for Messiah for thousands and thousands of years. You see in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Who is the us? The us is Israel. This is a prophecy given, one that would ultimately be fulfilled. But the anticipation for years, thousands of years they waited. He still wasn't here. 
I mean, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm there, I'm thinking, God, what's taking so long? We all kind of feel that because we're all like, Jesus, when are you coming back? We've seen enough. I have to go through one more election. I don't want to deal with it. And Zechariah 9, 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt. The foal of the donkey. Again, what do we see here? Daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, because the king is coming. This is creating an anticipation. This is God letting them know. Just hang on a little bit longer. He's coming. Be ready. Be ready for when he gets here. You've got to be watching. It's all about anticipation. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 13. Then he said, hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Again, this is a prophecy about Messiah coming. There are tons of these all throughout Scripture. Jesus fulfilled over 300 of them. And all of this was setting up the event that we are celebrating this week. It's all setting it up. It's getting ready. It's like the time is coming. They were anticipating Messiah. Now it's going to be this virgin, this young girl, who's going to give birth. Not some high and mighty person, but a young girl. And Bethlehem was waiting in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. It says, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from old, from everlasting. Bethlehem. That would be saying like, Rockport, the king's coming from you. Nobody believe it. This is just so monumental that they're anticipating Messiah to come. And he goes a step farther. Genesis chapter 49 verse 10, it says, A scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. And Shiloh is a reference to Messiah out of Judah. The nation. You see, all of this is laying out the anticipation that when Messiah comes, what were they waiting for? They were waiting for the person that was going to come, that was going to set them free from all bondage. And when he comes, it would be the time of the Spirit, where the Spirit of God would move upon the man and upon the earth freely. And it would be a completely different experience. No longer would they be under the rule of some other nation because God himself is going to rule on the throne of David from Jerusalem. They were waiting and they were ready. Or so they thought. It was all about anticipation. But then you get the moment of his arrival. In Luke chapter 1, verse 26. It says, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you, and blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and consider what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, And shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. They were anticipating the virgin to give birth to Messiah. But I can assure you Mary was aware 
of that prophecy. And I can assure you even more, she was unaware that she was it. While she was anticipating Messiah's coming, she was not anticipating being a part of it. She was shocked. Here's the angel. He says his throne and his kingdom will reign forever. Suddenly, her whole world is turned upside down. She's betrothed to Joseph, ready to get married. And now she is the one to bring forth Messiah. But it wasn't just her, because all the people were waiting for this event. Every one of them, all around the world, at that time, in the Middle East, in this moment, they were ready for Messiah to come at the, at the twinkling of an eye, forgive the analogy. They were ready because they knew it was going to come eventually. They were to be watching constantly. And in Matthew chapter 2, we see the story of the wise men. In verse 1, it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered together all the chief priests and scribes, of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So now we've got a moment here. Because these guys, these wise men, they were from Persia. They were trained under David. Not David, Daniel, excuse me. Trained under Daniel, prepared, be watching for this. And when they saw his star, and so they're going to look for him. And when they showed up, they assume everybody knows. Because how would they know? They're not Hebrews. So everybody should know. And Herod didn't like it. So where did he turn to? He turned to the chief priests and the scribes. Who should know where Messiah was to be born but the leaders of the religion in Israel? Verse 5, is said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it says, It has been written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. And when they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him. And when they'd opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country. Herod was going to try to take care of this, eradicate him, because nobody was going to take his kingdom. But it's interesting as they leave that the star appears over where the child was. And where did they enter into? It says they entered into the house. I don't know where the nativity scenes got it all wrong, but they got it all wrong. They entered into the house and they found the child there. They were there to worship him and God protected the child. You see, this was all anticipation. As we well know, it wasn't likely three. There were three gifts. There was uh, most of the nativity story that we know it is not correct. It's not biblical. But this anticipation, their whole life had been trained that when you see that star, it's time to go. Mary had, at some point, a virgin's going to give birth. She didn't think it was going to be her. You see, all of these people, the entire nation of Israel, was waiting for the moment that you and I take for granted. Their whole existence was centered around the moment that we take for granted. Every people group, every generation thought they were going to be the generation that Messiah 
would come. And does that sound familiar? Because every generation since Jesus died, was buried, and resurrected, ascended into heaven, has thought they're the generation that he's going to return for. They were all waiting. But it goes a little further than that. Because there's two more people that are mentioned here that often get overlooked. The first one is a guy named Simeon. In Luke chapter 2, verse 22, it says, And when the eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to pre- uh, present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy by the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The consolation of Israel is when Israel comes together back in power under their own control with Messiah. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. According to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign which will be spoken against, yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. Simeon was waiting because the Holy Spirit had told him, Before you see death, you will see the Messiah. He was prepared. He was looking. He was looking for this event. He wasn't getting any younger. And so he knew the time was coming. And as he entered there, as soon as he saw Jesus, he knew. And the proclamation that he made over Jesus even shocked Mary and Joseph. Considering everything that they had experienced up to that point, you would think nothing more would shock them, but they were taken aback by it. They weren't prepared. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel, knowing that when Messiah comes, he's coming to set his people free. But there's another one that comes right after this. It's a gal named Anna. In verse 36 of chapter 2, it says, Now there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with the husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow of about 84 years, who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in that instant, she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption in Jerusalem. You see, she was prepared because she lost her husband at a very young age. And from that day on, she served in the temple. Night and day, she prayed, she fasted, she did her part. You got to understand the culture. She, there was a difference for women back then, but she did her part. A prophet is one who heard from the Lord, one who was endowed with the Spirit. And so in that moment, she knew what she saw, that this was the one. And she gave thanks to God because she got to see it. You see, all of this anticipation had been laid out for thousands of years, and it's now coming to a culmination, a moment. And we celebrate that moment tomorrow morning. 
At least we try to. Because our anticipation is a little off base. We spend more time trying to find the perfect gift than making time for the perfect gift. We spend more time dealing with family and friends and the, and the nuances that go with the season than we do trying to spend time with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one whose life was laid down, the one who was spelled out from the very beginning that he would come. And when he comes, the whole world is going to be turned upside down. It's all about anticipation. It's all about waiting and, and in the moment and the celebration of what's about to take place. You see, Jesus came as that perfect offerer. And he came as that perfect offering. See, everything pointed to him. He came as the Passover lamb. If you guys were around last year, I talked about that. How the shepherds knew exactly where they would find Jesus. Because they were the ones who raised the Passover lamb. They knew where they'd find him. They knew that he would be in the manger. They knew exactly what it would be. Because Jesus was fulfilling all parts. When we come together tonight... My goal every year as we come together is to worship God, but to leave with an attitude of thankfulness for what He's done. Because it's easy to get caught up in the minutia. It's easy to get caught up in all the things and the tradition and all of that. And those are all good things, but we cannot lose focus. Because we've been focused on the wrong things. So what I want to do together, you should have gotten a communion element. If you didn't, we could get you one. But I want to take communion together. Because that's what we're here to celebrate. The birth of Jesus is spectacular. Without his birth, we could never celebrate his death. But it's not even his death that we're celebrating. It's the resurrection from the dead that we celebrate. Now, I know there's a lot of debate of whether he died or he didn't die. There's all of this stuff that's out there. Here's my rule of thumb. Of if, if, if a man dies and he comes back to life... On his own, I tend to just listen to what he says. It's kind of my rule. I just go with that. And in this case, he's sitting there at that last Passover, celebrating what the Jews had celebrated for, again, thousands of years from the moment that they had left Egypt. Every year they celebrate. They still do to this day. And he looks at the disciples and says, I've been waiting for this. For this moment, I've been waiting with much anticipation to have this supper with you. And he said he took the bread. He said, this is my body. It's going to be broken for you. And every single time you do this, I want you to remember me. Remember what I did. Remember why I came. Remember what you've been waiting for. Because your moment is now. Let's take this together. And then he took it a step further. And he held up the third cup, the cup after supper. And he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. It was the cup of redemption. He says, every time you do it, I want you to remember what I've done for you. The perfect offerer. The perfect offering. God Himself taking on mankind in His creation to die for you and I. Those lambs were raised with the purpose Jesus came to this earth with a purpose. Let's take this together. Ladies, if you guys want to come up. Let's not forget what he came to do.
stand up. We're talking about the light of the world. In John chapter 3, in verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, Well, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said, Are you a teacher of Israel? You do not know these things. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, and he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. Men love darkness rather than the light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. The light of the world came to the earth. After thousands of years of waiting, it's a moment that we tend to take for granted. But tomorrow, let's not do that. Let's keep our hearts right. Let's keep our focus right. Let's keep our attention where it matters. The day in which he was born it's not what matters. It's that he was born. It's what we're celebrating. We're going to sing Silent Night.
continue to do. Lord, we are so grateful that in this season, Lord, we just ask that you remind us of what matters. Lord, that we keep our focus on who you are and what you've done, that you've given us all of these things that we can be grateful for. And so, Lord, we are here today gathered together with one heart, mind, and purpose, and that is to thank you for what you've done. And may as we get up tomorrow to spend time with our family, may we never lose sight of what you have provided for us, the greatest gift of all, sending your son, that he was Lord the moment that you declared it, that he was going to be on this earth. And so, Lord, we are grateful for all that you've done and continue to do. Lord, we are so, so indebted to who you are, and we give you the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a very Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon.